The Trilogy Podcast with Vin and Scott. Three movies, two men, one podcast. Keep them all Yeah. You can't keep a gorilla out this motherfucker. Yeah. Yo. Oh my God. Oh my. Why are you dressed that way? It's really like uh, with my mesh top and my leather. Scott, why is he dressed this way? I don't know. I, I are you a hacker in the Matrix? Party Matrix. I'm going to a rave as soon as we oh, finish this. God, a ra- fill oh God, a rave! Yes, the '90s are back. And how much is the Molly Club, kid? I have a guy. Have you not heard about the rash of vampires? I, listen, I you know you're looking out for me, but I think Phil might be a familiar. Yeah, I fucking agree. Show us a tattoo. I know you have it. Come here, come here, give me that. Show me the tattoo. It Who says, does he belong to? The Trilogy Podcast, the only podcast in the universe devoted strictly to trilogies. No reboots, no straight to cable. We're bringing you facts, debate, trivia, and more to hell with the movie if they made four. I'm Vin. And I'm Scott. And I'm Party Boy Phil. Scott, don't waste any more time. Tell the audience exactly what we're doing this time around. Ah, this time around, we're doing the Blade Trilogy. Oh, baby, the Blade Trilogy. Very exciting. Yes. So we had Phil roll in with his extensive knowledge of horror and frightening people. Yes. And he's going to join us for this particular episode. So it's good to see you again, Phil. We haven't seen you in a while. I know. It's been a minute. I'm excited to be back. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, Blade, we've been kind of dancing around this one for a little while. Are we going to do it? Are we not going to do it? Yeah. An important trilogy. It sort of bridges the gap between the Marvel world and what? The horror world. The... Sure. You know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, this was definitely a time period in the late 90s, early 2000s, where they were yeah. taking, like, gambles on, like, more obscure comic book characters, and they were kind of working out. Before the second movie, the X-Men came out. Yes, indeed. Yep. And things just kind of blew up from there. But yeah. this is right around that time, like, this movie walked so the MCU could run, essentially. You know, you're you know right. They were shaking like, off the horrors of uh, Batman and Robin and the failure right. from the previous year with that particular Superhero movie. Well, like and Batman with kind of like a darker tone. Yeah. So let's jump right into um, exactly what kind of trilogy this is. As always, we have our robotic friend, Trilogy Bot. Okay, a yes. robot that was invented just to tell us what kind of trilogy we're going to be profiling. Useless robot, though. Uh, but you know what? Your hostility towards Trilogy Bot is, is so two years ago, Phil. You got to give him one thing, though. He is, you know immune to becoming a vampire. Ah. So he's got that over you. So Trilogy Bot, tell us exactly what kind of trilogy Blade is. Blade is an army of one trilogy. These trilogies are based upon the adventures of one character, as he attempts to save mankind as we know it, over the course of three films. All superhero trilogies fall into this category. Similar to the way my robotic nutsack falls into Phil's open mouth. Seems like he's not forgotten how much he hates you, Phil, which is always delightful for me. I wish there was like a piece of metal I could jam into you so you could... Burst apart into ash and fire. Okay, Phil. He My- has designed. He has evolved <laughs> to have metal around his heart, right. so you can't right. get through it. Much as his comments towards Phil were extremely upsetting, yes, he is correct. This is definitely an army of one trilogy. That's the designation we give to trilogies. They're basically uh, based upon one character that saved the world over the course of three films. We watch their adventures as they battle the forces of evil. All right. Sure. And when it comes to superhero movies. They're pretty much always armies of one. They might have their little superhero friends surrounding them, doing stuff, helping them, always helping them. Right. But it basically comes down to this one dude that's saving us all. What ties the trilogy together is the central character. No question about it. So, Scott, I think um, let's not waste any time. 
I want you to rock right into the plot. So when it comes to superhero films, they're often a lot more intricate than one would think. You know, it's not just Superman versus Lex yeah. Luthor. It's a little deeper sometimes now. So, yeah, well, I mean, we're going to get into them. I'm going to, you know, do it up. Yeah. Uh, let me just get my stuff together. <laughs> Sorry. I just okay. hold on a second. I, uh, uh, yeah. yeah, it's Scott's plot. Yeah, we're gonna do the plot. Yeah, yeah, his name is Scott. It's Scott. Yeah, and he didn't give the song much thought. Yeah, God's plot. Yeah, it's God's plot. We're gonna do a Scott's plot right here. We're gonna do a Scott's plot. Don't fear. We're gonna do the Scott's plot. Yeah, 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 motherfucker. <laughs> All right. Uh, so. Sounds oddly like the <laughs> rave music in Blade 2 with Gotta get him up, gotta get him up Someone's some, some, <laughs> gotta get it up I wish I could get it up The All rhythm, right. the rhythm, the rhythm <laughs> <laughs> Scotty Okay, so this is Scott's Blots. What I do here is I give you a uh, brief description of, well, sometimes brief description of uh, the plots to these three movies in the trilogy, just in case you haven't watched them in a while and you need a little refresher, or you've never watched them and you just want to... Uh, Listen to our beautiful voices talk about these movies. And, of course, we're going to start it all off with numero uno, Blade. 1998. In Los Angeles, a pregnant woman is killed after being bitten by a vampire, but gives birth to a half-man, half-vampire who, 30 years later, now hunts vampires and raids an underground vampire club run by a cocky young vampire killing many vampires. After the police arrive, one of the vampires is mistaken for a victim and taken to the hospital, where a young hematologist is bitten, but saved by the half-man, half-vampire, and taken back to his lair, where she is treated by his elderly vampire hunter friend. I mean, isn't it convenient that she's a hematologist? Incredibly. You need a hematologist, because there's no plot unless you have a hematologist. And what, yeah. what's a hematologist doing in a coroner's office? Yeah, exactly. What are you, what are you looking for? Ha, yeah. There's no, blood isn't there anymore. It's no. not circulating. She, maybe she only is a, a solid hematologist. She only does the <laughs> solid blood. It's very convenient. Maybe they yeah. were just like, hey, this blood looks weird. <laughs> you got to take a look By at By the it. way. You know who'd like this? Yeah. <laughs> She's like, girlfriend. Maybe Paris. you're right, Phil. I think I think the whole thing was happenstance because that guy just wanted to see his ex again. Yeah, he just called her in like, you know. He's like, yeah, there's something about blood. His ho, hey, anyway. anyway I, I, I uh, got this charred body, but uh, <laughs> hey, you want to try it again? Meanwhile, at a vampire board meeting, the young cocky vampire is chastised by pure blood vampires for holding vampire raves, threatening their anonymity. I have a lot to say about this. First of all, it's the suggestion <laughs> that there's a council of vampires out there. I mean, really. It's, it's old blood. In the world of vampires, I've never considered the idea that some people are pure blood and some are just infected. Like, you don't think of it that way. You pretty much assume that everyone is just bitten by a vampire and becomes a vampire. Right. Uh, what is this, fucking Harry Potter? Since when are there full-blood vampires? That, yeah. I mean, it implies that out there in the world, there are vampire families having vampire children and those are the real vampires right what are they sending them to school those are the ones not going to the rave they're sitting at home watching tv yeah. i don't know i never thought of that that they existed like they somebody no. was turned but in that scene they're kind of talking about how steven dorf is like the young upstart they're like things have been good for many years with us running shit behind the scenes and controlling governments and you, young man, want to throw raves? I got a child at home, a young vampire I'm trying to raise. Yeah. I can't go to the rave. Yeah. He's like, I don't know, shit gets kind of fun at the raves. I don't, you know, it's a good time. Meanwhile, the young hematologist returns home where she is attacked by a human loyal to the vampires. The half-man, half-vampire arrives, saves the hematologist, and the human loyal to vampires 
tells him about an archive of ancient vampire texts. The archive of ancient vampire texts is especially funny because they have it all behind glass and it's in a museum format. But here's the thing. Who's going to that museum? Meanwhile, the cocky young vampire kills a vampire board member, gaining more control amongst the vampires. Meanwhile, the half-human, half-vampire and the hematologist torture a morbidly obese vampire <laughs> <laughs> and discover the cocky young vampire's plot to use pure blood vampire blood and the half-human, half-vampire's blood to awaken a god. Blood. None of this makes any sense. <laughs> no, now no. we're getting to a point where we're like, blood what? and blood. Add all the bloods, and then the, the god of blood will come. And like, like, what is happening? We're, you know, we're buying into this movie from the start, but then the further it goes, we're like, okay, now I don't, I don't get what you're trying to do here. Right. <laughs> we don't know why this giant fat vampire is even there, or how a g giant morbidly obese vampire yeah. would operate right. in any way. Or, right. or maintain. Who are you biting? Do you turn into a gigantic, grotesque, fat bat, too? Right. <laughs> it's like a vampire metabolism is ridiculously fast. They have to feed. So is this guy or But it's gal, funny you should mention or, that because originally when they conceived the idea of Pearl, it, this is crazy, yeah. the character is supposed to be surrounded by the bodies of babies and Ooh. the idea was that she was fed newborn babies and so it was supposed to be a lot darker surrounded yeah. in baby corpses and these computers that look like the paperclip guy from Microsoft Word they're all old computers there's pictures I'm Clippy can I help you I yeah. see you're trying to kill a vampire can I <laughs> exactly I feel like I'm looking at the Sims this era is bodies are moving this around this late 90s era like yeah. I feel like there's a lot of movies you go to like man you were way wrong yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, we yeah. cracked that like two years later and you were dead wrong yeah yeah um, yeah, so when they show the computer there, you're like, what in the fuck is this? Yeah. I kind of enjoy the bullshit quality of the internet in the 90s. Yeah, <laughs> right. 90s cinema. It was pure then, my friend. It was yeah. pure. And, yeah. you know, look what it became. Meanwhile, the hematologist discovers using an anticoagulant will blow up vampires and is attempting to work on a cure for the half-human, half-vampire's bloodlust. You know, she's there five minutes, and all of a sudden she knows everything about vampires, can, can, creates a cure. You, no problem. It's like, bitch, you just got here. How do you know anything about oh, this? Oh, did you not hear that? She's a hematologist. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I forgot. She's a hematologist. Suddenly, the cocky young vampire and his crew attack the lair of the half-man, half-vampire, who is conveniently out at the time. And they kidnap the hematologist and bite the elderly vampire hunter, who, with the assistance of the half-man, half-vampire, commits suicide. And they, they tell us at this point that, like, Whistler says, you're the chosen one. Only you can help us get the blood god. And it's Cho like, yeah, chosen to do what? Yeah, you're like, an, yeah, you no... made it clear until this point you've been, you were an accident. That you're only able to move around in the daylight because you were kind of like in this middle ground of being born. Like, yeah. So I, how are you? The, how could you have been chosen for anything? What, and, do you, what do you mean? And that's like a, such a classic story thing of like everyone looking down on you because you're you're mixed but then being right. the yeah you know. but you know the Good eventually point. every action movie has to shed story for plot it, it, it ha like a terminator has to lose its skin until it's just a fucking skeleton of archetypes and ergo chosen one and blood guy I don't know what you're talking about, and Phil. All right. Blood guy. The blood guy. When the half-man, half-vampire goes to rescue the hematologist, he learns his mother is now a vampire originally bit by the cocky young vampire. Yeah, we really slipped on the incest <laughs> angle because that's incest like the number one porn in the Northeast. Like, 
you know, that's yeah. ahead of its time. That's the first thing you thought of, Phil, is the incest angle. She wanted to she, fuck him immediately. No, She's I like mean, rubbing lips no, with, on him. There's it's definitely weird. an incest angle, but I would suggest yeah. that the most important part of that last thing that Scott said is the fact that it's the stupidest part of the fucking movie. <laughs> yes. First of all, they completely diminish the idea that he's meeting his mother for the first time. Right. No one seems to care. It's not some great revelation. It's dashed off in one second. And it doesn't uh, matter. F- for all we know, it is the only reason that he does this. Yes. That he hunts vampires. Right. Yep. It's to because his, his mother was this would killed be a by a vampire. huge, big deal. Doesn't yes. matter. Then Dorf says... I am the one that fucking bit her. <laughs> what? 35 years ago you bit her? Well, I mean, he's a vampire, so he doesn't no, age the same, no, right? but they make it seem like through this movie, Scott, that he's a young upstart that's challenging the vampire council. Yeah, so what was he, was he been resting for 35 years I mean, trying young, to I, I get gain that. power? Young's like, relative. Young's yeah, relative but that's, the, vampires, yeah, yeah. that's what I was going to say. Is like oh, These other vampires are like, they were born vampires like 5,000 years ago. And yeah, but like, I mean, probably it feels like... A like 60-year vampire? Maybe. But wouldn't he be into like 70s clubs or heavy metal groups? Oops. Yeah. Instead, he's into raves. Well, maybe Again, he was what, have you, what have you been doing all this time? Vampires Dorf? are ahead of their time. I am the <laughs> one that bit her. Fuck yourself. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> the way he, it really is like he like so flippantly yeah. just like <laughs> is like, you know, yeah, you've been uh, yeah. whatever looking for the guy who bit your right. mom like your whole life. And I don't know, whatever. I'm here. <laughs> yeah. And Blade isn't like, you motherfucker. Uh, oh. Blade is yeah. like, well, all right. Well, I guess it's so. An, it's an insult to Blade the character. shows absolutely no emotion no. whatsoever. He doesn't care. Yeah. Because if, if Blade cared, which he should, he should have known it was Deacon already because he's a fucking expert. Good point. The cocky young vampire uses the half-man, half-vampire's blood and the pure-blood vampire's blood to gain the god of blood's power. Why is the Council of Vampires such a bunch of fucking pussies? They roll right to their deaths. These are the most blood-pure, badass vampires, you'd think. And again, they're like, all right, we'll just stand in place here. Yeah. We're not going to fight back. Constantly We're- shouting about their supremacy yeah, while not, but, but not ever doing being able anything. to prove it. Don't you have a power? <laughs> I like that because the, the, they had to die because they're fucking useless. Yeah. Uh, I, I like that. <laughs> Dinosaurs will die. <laughs> yeah. Like all they do, they, they wear black. They stand around. They look concerned. They look scary, but yeah. they can't do shit. Ultimately, I guess. they yeah. turn into a. Castlevania mini bosses. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they get in back and forth threatening matches with Steven Dorff and then go, You bore me. And then yeah. walk away. Yeah. Like, that, how did you win that exchange in your mind? <laughs> and at this point, guys, you also have what I think is the biggest plot flaw in the movie. And that's going to be the fact that Dorf is the one that turns into the blood god. At no point in time until this moment, do they make it seem like he will be the blood god? Yeah. They imply that somehow a blood god will be resurrected to somehow lead the vampires to glory. Suddenly, blood's falling from the ceiling. It's hitting him in the face, and he's the blood god? Yeah. What is that? One line of dialogue at some point earlier in the movie. Yeah. I will be all-powerful. Fucking anything. Right. Yeah. You had right. time for Blade's yeah. mom wanting to fuck him. Yeah, right, right. right. <laughs> we have a five-minute incest scene, but I yeah. can't get Dorf telling he's going to be the fucking god. The half-man, half-vampire, drained of blood, feeds on the hematologist, kills his mother, and injects the cocky young vampire with a lot of anticoagulant, and the cocky young vampire explodes. Afterwards, the hematologist offers to find a cure for the half-man, half-vampire so he can be a full man, but he turns it down and goes to Russia. Yeah, that was really strange, that Russia move. Like, yeah. 
<laughs> picturing Blade listening to the Rosetta Stone on the plane, just expressions that are threatening towards vampires. How does he know Russian? <laughs> I mean, I like that noble thing at the end. He's like, just find me a better serum. You know, I'm going to stay the way I am and fight vampires. Yeah, thought it was yeah, cool. Yeah. But then Russia, the Russians have their own problems. All right. Don't, don't. Yeah, don't bring that here. Yeah, I mean, really. it probably started there. Let me tell you, that fucking action scene in that rave is one of the one of the best action scenes I can remember. So some of the best in the beginning. Just crisp, best, tight, beautiful. I had to t- pause the movie and just t- take a breath. Yeah. And then the plotting made it just fall apart yeah, for me. It just yeah. kind of got dumb. It really just like jumps from one thing to another. Yeah. yeah. Just stripped you know? the mystique of it completely by just doing plot mechanics. Yes. Like some of the best Good 90s film. cinematography. It's yes. in the beginning of that movie, like pre-Matrix shit. You don't have to overplot these movies. No. Make it v- blade against a goddamn vampire. Keep it simple. It feels yeah. like Goyer really shot his wad in the first movie because he jumped to things that you would normally see in later movies, which is why I feel like in the second one, you get the uh, other vampires because you're like, well, what else do you have? Right. He blew the whole story of his mother. Yeah. Right. And right. Could have that be a later and just reveal. Threw, and just threw it away. Would have made a great third movie yes. reveal to yes. bring everything back around. Bet your ass. So, all right, Scott, you want to continue on? Yes, I do. Blade 2. 2002. In Prague, the half-man, half-vampire finds the elderly vampire hunter from the first one who did not die, but was kept alive and tortured by vampires. The whole time he's wearing shiny little pants. (laughs) (laughs) That's the torture. Honestly, it wasn't meaningful for him to die in the first movie, really, in any way. Walk away, you stupid son of a bitch. Put those sparkly little pants on. (laughs) Walk away, you son of a bitch. I mean, to the point where they have Blade doing a voiceover to begin this movie. Yeah. And he says more in this voiceover than he says in the entire first film. It's the film. only voiceover yeah. we get from Blade. Okay. Yeah. You get the recap of the whole first yeah. movie, much like uh, both of the Raimi trilogies. Yes. Both do that. Yes, indeed. The half-man, half-vampire frees the elderly vampire hunter, cures him of vampirism, and introduces him to his new young assistant. Suddenly. Vampires infiltrate their lair and eventually recruit the half-man, half-vampire and his team to lead a group of vampires originally trained to kill the half-man, half-vampire hunter in an effort to stop an even scarier vampire infected with a vampire disease that causes vampires to be more bloodthirsty, even resorting to feeding on other vampires. <laughs> let's let's unpack that for a second. <laughs> There's a lot there. First and of all, most of it is vampires. It's, you, so you meet Eli, right? Who's the he- I guess the new head of the Vampire Council, and he even references the previous one. He's like, "Thanks for fucking killing uh, Frost. He was he was a dick." All right. Yeah, he does a they, favor. Right, but they make Eli look like a spoof of vampires. Like he's so obviously Nosferatu looking, and it's almost like I'm watching what we do in shadows. Yeah. Like he's bald and veiny and like long pointy right. nails. If you're going to make vampires like a relevant threat, they can't all look like monster men. Well, I mean, in the I'm, first I'm sorry, mo- Phil. I know that upsets you. But I'm not a f- You know what I, uh, you know, in the first movie, they're businessmen. So I kind of yeah. like that this representation is just a European looking bald guy. <laughs> yeah. With veiny ass fucking skin. Yeah. I mean, you know, he looks like a. Vampire. <laughs> yeah, you can live for a long time, but at year 10,000, you, you're going to look like a fucking shaved testicle. Uh, yeah, really. A veiny one. Yeah. With yeah. blue veins yes. all over yeah. the place. And so when he recruits Blade. He's nutted on a wild. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> he nuts in the blood soup. He goes right into the blood soup 
with his full cape on and everything. He's You're like, take off the cape. Millions of capes. The, the cape is floating <laughs> on the blood. You're like, why are you walking right into it? Take off. You're walking into a blood jacuzzi. Take off the cape. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The idea that he recruits the uh, blood pack, the fudge pack. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that. All that shit. I thought it was interesting and cool. It comes back to the the very common plot that we've seen, guys, in in our trilogies, in the world of films and elsewhere, where the hero and the villain have to work together to fight against a third foe, a more dangerous foe. Yes. And we see it all the time. I mean, off the top of my head, the first couple of things I thought of were um, G.I. Joe and Cobra getting together to fight Zartan, He-Man and Skeletor getting together to fight Hordak. When the X-Men and Magneto get together to fight the... Striker th- and his yeah. game. Right. Yeah. Oceans, the Oceans trilogy. Yeah, the third Oceans movie. You know they, what I mean? They, they work with uh, Andy Garcia. In the to take down... Second one? Third one? Third, third one. Third, third one. one to take down Pacino, right? I think in both of them he's yeah. involved. He's involved Yeah, in both you're yeah. right. So the idea is the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Right. Right? So we see this all the time. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But I, there's always something interesting about the hero and the villain being on the same side. Yeah, I, yeah. My, my only thing is that I feel like when you do something like that and you have to make some of the vampire characters likable now and have to yeah. be like good guys, You're right. they have to create the third version that's like, oh, we're the crazy vampires. You're like, right. Oh, these vampires are even too crazy for us, crazy vampire. You, you know, like two it's, jaws. Yeah, you have to make them like mindlessly evil. Just right. pure, exactly. just, just engines of evil. The idea that this third <laughs> unit. Reapers? Yeah, Reapers. Reapers. The fact they're animals doesn't prevent them from knowing an extensive amount of martial arts. Yeah. Who is teaching these vampires martial arts? Yeah, yeah. I can appreciate that Blade knows it. He's going to a dojo, whatever. For sure. But every enemy is a fucking expert in karate. I don't, I don't buy it. Why? What do you think? Why do you think why happened you? to Whistler's leg? You know? Oh yeah. Probably yeah. sparring with him like motherfucker broke my leg. You dumb son of a bitch, kill me. We never kill fucking me. even know. We have, we're, with we're those never told. Tiny little pants, right? <laughs> we're never told what happened to his leg, are we? No. Just kind of limping around. And I thought it was weird that we in this movie was like, yeah, at least they get it done and fix my leg. And I'm like, is there actually something wrong with Chris yeah. Christopherson's yeah. leg? Like I thought the they, same thing too. Yeah. I was like, are we trying to justify Coincidentally, <laughs> just before filming, <laughs> he broke to, his leg. Are we trying <laughs> to justify Christopherson's <laughs> handicap? Strazan gave me a kick in the leg during that movie. And bonked me with her nose and my kneecap. Okay, I need her in the face. <laughs> <laughs> there is a prequel comic that explains it. Like, I think Blade kicked him. When Shut he was up, Phil. I'm not Blade joking. Kicked him. Wow. I literally like <laughs> it's something to do with that. The whole That's- comic is called Whistler's Leg. I, the I, whole yeah. the whole plot of that one is. But I like yeah. that whole this whole bit with the expedition into the club, the House of Pain, for the first time. Yes. It's yeah. pretty fucking cool. Except. They really should have played House of Pain at that moment. I Don't thought you know, about that, angry, too. Right? Like, I mean, you almost I thought they were going to right? cut to it and no. immediately was going to like, Instead, top of the morning to you. Yeah. But again, we were in another rave. I mean, these guys only exist in a fucking rave. Yeah. What else are you going to do? Like fucking college freshmen just partying it up in a rave. Bunch of fucking losers. And they're all dressed like they shopped at the Gap. Yeah. The Euro Gap or whatever the fuck. Oh, yeah. God. I fucking outgrew raves the day that I grew them. <laughs> <laughs> Sounded right in my head. <laughs> <laughs> they all go to investigate another nightclub and fight with the even scarier vampires, learning they are still affected by sunlight, but that they have bones protecting most of their hearts. And I even appreciated when they dissected that vampire, like the explanation about like its evolution and its body, like 
it worked for me. No, I, I, no, like, I thought cool. that was kind of cool, like the show, like of an evolution of vampire would have, yeah. you know, protection around their heart. Sure, I would if feel bad for the, for I felt bad for the yeah. poor reaper that's leg was caught. He's looking up and he's like, my leg is caught. Yeah, yeah. I felt bad for him. <laughs> I pity these guys, even though they would. I'm just hungry, yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> he's a hungry guy. I found it funny that during the entire club battle, they're pumping bullet after bullet into these fucking reapers and nothing is happening at all. Yeah. And I mean, that's all the action. Bullets flying, bullets flying, what's yeah. happening? And then at the end, they're like, wait a second, let's turn on these fucking UV lights. And then it burns them all immediately. I, I thought that was ridiculous. A little was... anticlimactic, frankly. Like, yeah. maybe try that first. Here we go. This is when plot takes over for story. The elderly vampire hunter discovers a nest of even scarier vampires, and they set off a sunlight bomb the young assistant created, killing all the even scarier vampires except the original even scarier vampire. But the specially trained vampire team betrays the half-man, half-vampire and his crew, revealing that the vampire disease was created accidentally by one of the head vampires, who is trying to genetically create stronger vampires. And the original, even scarier vampire is his son. This is a really confusing part for me, because Eli reveals all his big plans, that he's manipulating the uh, the genes to try and create the most perfect vampire. Yeah, so at right. the end of the day, it's all about getting Blade there then, right? Like, it's all a big lure to bring Blade to them, right? Again. Yeah. It's it's a get, like the first movie. Again, right. it is about get Blade Get Blade there. Well, wouldn't he also need them conveniently to be eliminated by Blade 2 just so they're not killing a bunch of other vampires? Yeah, no, I think, I think he basically, he wants Blade to kill all of them because it's correcting his mistake and something that eventually his son is going to lead these people back to eat all the other vampires, right? Right, so but, it's, but he it's, also sort of implies that he doesn't give a shit about anyone but himself, too. That's what makes it confusing, because he's like, fuck everybody. It's yeah. all that matters is me. So you're left with this... You don't know, and that's kind of an annoying part of this movie. I like this movie, but this little plot construct in here pissed me off because it wasn't clear. It just feels yeah. like a race to the ending. Like maybe there was more stuff that was just cut to fit a slot. Yeah, both, in yeah. both of these movies, there's moments that are you know plot turns that completely undercut everything they laid before yes. it. Basically, yes. I mean, it was interesting enough. I thought the evolution of like, oh, how would you evolve like an ancient, I agree, mythical creature. I you know? agree. Like, we were waiting for a twist. Obviously, the vampires were gonna betray. Trey Blade. He even said it. Yeah. For fuck's sake, he said it in the movie. So when you do it, make it fucking clear. It is also revealed that the young assistant is loyal to the vampires, but is also quickly revealed that the half-man, half-vampire knew this and blows up the young assistant. Let's just cut that plot off. All right? Yeah. No, yep. No just more gone. No more baby twink Daryl. Yeah. Yep. See ya, Norman Reedus. Yeah, fuck that guy. Fuck Scud. Call Blade B one more time, motherfucker, and hey, see what B. happens. Hey. Fucking yeah. dick. Oh, my B. God. I wanted to drive my fist through his face. B, B, B. Then later, he calls Whistler W. Yeah. They already have cool names, you idiot. Stop <laughs> abbreviating them. I mean, he is. You weird. abbreviate a name when it's yeah. long and hard to say. <laughs> yeah. You don't abbreviate a name that's already cool. He's trying too hard to be cool, and then he dies. Oh, because God. He, he isn't. Yeah, first he gives a crazy explanation. <laughs> Position laden monologue where you're like, we don't give a shit about your story, you yeah. fuckface. Yeah. The head vampire tries to steal the half man, half vampire's blood to create better versions of the even scarier vampires. But the half man, half vampire escapes, and the original, even scarier vampire kills his dad, his sister, and himself. 
Yeah, that yeah. made no fucking sense. <laughs> no. It's basically a reason for them to have a fight at the end. It was so yeah. Yeah. poorly yeah. contrived. I didn't mention in this plot, there's the whole fight with Ron Perlman. Yeah, which is a great fight. Which is a good fight. A phenomenal fight. Unnecessary to the plot. And meanwhile, the plot is unfolding without Blade. I don't know, this whole movie feels like an audition for Hellboy. For I me. don't know. I hate to tell you, I thought this movie was a hell of a good movie. I mean, despite those those plot issues, I fucking loved all the fights. I thought they were great. The back and forth. I just thought it was really cool. And at the end, like, I even thought it was cool when Blade's holding the bitch and she turns into dust. And that, like, that's their version of a love story. The vampire that he actually falls for turns into dust in his arms. I can buy it. It it worked for me. I enjoyed that. Yeah. I mean, not her death. I enjoyed her. I enjoyed her death. I mean, honestly, I'm I'm going to have very few (laughs) notes. I'm going to have very few notes later because I just kind of sat and enjoyed it. I liked it. All right, Scotty, let's uh, rock it out with Blade Trinity, my brother. Blade (laughs) Trinity. 2004. In the Middle East, a group of vampires wake up the first vampire and frame the half man, half vampire for killing a human that he thought was a vampire. We were waiting for this because every superhero film has this whole conceit where the general public doesn't realize this superhero is saving them from like horrible things. Yeah. And goes after them. Before this, we have never seen what the world at large thinks of Blade. So yeah. when you see this, it's like, okay, it's yeah. not like he's Batman and you and like someone's like, here's a video of Batman right. killing someone. You're right. like, Although I've been in, betrayed. You in know, the, like, indeed, we've been told that the cops are run by the vampires. So yeah. how is it that this hasn't happened before, frankly? Yeah. Yeah. At moments this trilogy felt a little robocopy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. kind of Frank Millery is kind of the same sort of It's like of you're getting in your style. own way. You're getting in your own yeah. way on a, yeah. on a story perspective right yeah david david goyer why do you hate david goyer so much i feel like everything he does is the same formula. i mean he created the dark knight for you bitches i, I know you really, love that shit I I how do you not love knight. it also he didn't write Hold that on. jonah nolan and chris nolan he wrote, wrote the first one and story the second up. too i just i just want you to write a movie that doesn't have a single object i'll let you explain that object thing later phil you're kind of saying it now we don't know what you mean so you're gonna have to explain your object oh, concept later I on have yeah outside we're having a cigarette before the oh, podcast no, no, began the, the batman the batman trilogy one i explained it then you weren't even there when we taped batman you idiot <laughs> was? No, you didn't you, you were no you weren't <laughs> wait was i not we taped it twice you, were you weren't there either time all right scott really <laughs> The FBI attacks the half-man, half-vampire's lair, kills his elderly vampire hunter friend, and captures the half-man, half-vampire. But humans loyal to the vampires are persuading the FBI to hand over the half-man, half-vampire to the vampires. Whistler's like, I'm old, don't put me back in the pants, and blows up the whole fucking place. <laughs> and we're saying to ourselves, we're like, why are you back in this movie? Yeah. We're going to kill off Whistler in five yeah. seconds? What are you doing back here? You know, I needed a new refrigerator. Yeah, write a country yeah. song, you dick. Why are you here? Suddenly, the half-man, half-vampire is... Is rescued by the elderly vampire hunter's daughter, who leads her own small band of vampire hunters. They bring the half-man, half-vampire hunter back to the lair and tell him that the group of vampires want to use the first vampire's powers to cure their weaknesses, and that the vampire hunters have been working on a biological weapon that kills vampires that they believe will even kill the first vampire, but also may kill the half-man, half-vampire. Okay, so we meet the Night Stalkers, and immediately, I hate them all. I hate every single Night Stalker. It's like, 
young Hollywood of the early 2000s all in one place. Insufferable. And yeah, they're insufferable, Phil. That's a great word. They're the worst. The original idea was to a, a movie that explores Blade's humanity or where he lives on that scale. But because Wesley Snipes was so difficult, yeah, they just let Ryan Reynolds say whatever he wanted. Whistler's conducting behind the scenes a whole secret other group that he's working on yeah. with his daughter. Jessica Biel's like, she has the worst line. He's like, I thought Whistler's kids all died or whatever. And she goes, I was born later out of wedlock. Why haven't we seen her before? Yes. And why wasn't you? Why weren't you helping Blade the right. whole time? Why like, wouldn't Whistler let him know? Yeah, these guys—they're like we've got sleeper cells all over. When yeah, one right. cell goes like, down, the other cell pops up. Blade's like, "Could you, I'm getting yeah. fucked up here? Why isn't anyone helping me at all?" I was wondering where you were going. Yes. on. <laughs> we meet all these Night Stalkers. They're all or maybe just Blade's just a bad listener. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> like, like you're like, well, I gotta go hang out with my daughter. Yeah, whatever. I don't care. Again, it's this whole idea about using Blade's blood to create the solution. Yes. Blade's blood is going to be the thing. They go through their whole explanation of, like, Dracula, and you're like, what are you talking about? (laughs) You mock Dracula? I come into the store? I do not wear a little tuxedo. (laughs) (laughs) I dress with a gauntlet that'll never be used in the final fight (laughs) at all. Not one time. Yeah. Once in a while, I just look like Super Shredder. (laughs) I look like a jeweler. Upper East Side. <laughs> yeah. That's what he looks like. It's ridiculous. I'm surprised he's, he's not on the cell phone. I constantly. have more to say about Dracula <laughs> as we go, but this is at the point where Natasha Leone breaks down this whole thing about how, like, the, like the DNA talk about how um, if you shoot Dracula with the DNA, it'll kill all the vampires in the world. In some vampire lore, it's like the progenitor of other vampires upon their death will kill other vampires. Right. Right. But they don't explicitly but say that But that's not ever. even what it is. No, yeah, it isn't what yeah. exactly. And they also want to give Dracula a justification for shape-shifting. They're like, yeah, he can shape-shift. He's got snake bones or no whatever. At no point is he a bat. <laughs> what are you talking about? But that's what that's funny is like, he's like, yeah, he can't, he might be able to shape-shift. Not, not like a bat or anything. <laughs> like, yeah. Meanwhile... The vampire hunter's daughter finds a warehouse full of human beings being harvested for blood for vampires, and the half-man, half-vampire destroys it. And, and then n- it is never referenced ever again. And I'm not sure why and they went there all. in the first place, because frankly. that was the original plot of the movie. Well, it was also supposed to be a big part of the, the concept of the first movie as well, Phil, yeah. and right. they wound up kind of taking it out. Yeah. In this one, it's, it, it, it amounts to, to nothing. Absolutely nothing. I mean nothing. When they return to the lair, they find the first vampire has killed or captured most of the vampire hunters. But one of the dead vampire hunters left a recorded message explaining the bioweapon needs the first vampire's blood to work. So we did an hour on the Night Stalkers just so that Dracula can roll in and just take them all out. Yep. Yeah. And you got Blade like an asshole while Beale is trying to mourn her friend going, Use it. Use it. Uh, he's just trying to get a decent performance out of Jessica Biel during that. Oh, uh, God, she's awful. <laughs> she stinks. I mean, the same kind uh, of... Wesley, a- we're trying to film the scene here. Yeah. Can you go back to your trailer? You're not needed right, right now. Right. This is actually one of the few times we are not trying to get you on yeah, the set. Yeah, he just walked on himself. <laughs> like, you're, not, you're not even in this scene, Wesley. Get out. <laughs> and that science is a little wonky, too. Again, shoot this into Dracula, and it'll kill every vampire. Yeah. Okay. 
All right, so it, it needs one more ingredient, but I think if you fire it into the ingredient, uh, that ought to do it. I don't think chemistry <laughs> yeah. works that way. Use yeah. an arrow or use a gun. Use anything. Care. I'm a character you just met. I have all the answers. <laughs> also, I've never done this. This is all pure theory, so... Uh... Yeah, utter speculation. Put your life on the line to try and do it. The half-man, half-vampire sword fights the first vampire and is able to stab him with the bioweapon, mixing with the first vampire's blood and releases into the air and kills all the vampires and maybe the half-man, half-vampire? But it turns out the first vampire shapeshifted into the half-man, half-vampire just before dying and the half-man, half-vampire continues his anti-vampire crusade. Yeah. I mean, you summed up the whole climax in two sentences and it didn't even deserve your two sentences, frankly. Yeah. Because they get to the lair, the corporate lair, I mean, in five minutes or like, and now... We're crashing through the window, and we're here. Just wraps itself up. It didn't compute at all to me in this ending when he's talking about, like, I will give you a gift in dying, and you know what? They were right all along. There is going to be a new kind of vampire. It's you. Dracula's saying, I'm going to make sure that the cops don't look for you anymore. Because Dracula knows about cops. Right, exactly. Right. Right. But Dracula's like, I'm going to make sure you're not a wanted criminal anymore. Here you go, Blade. (laughs) What? In the last shot, the sweeping shot of all the cops coming in and seeing Blade's shirtless body on the ground, uh, my first thinking is, Hannibal and fucking Abigail just took his shirt off and yeah. then ran away <laughs> because right. they didn't wake him up. Right. Yeah. Or Wesley Snipes showed up and was like, I'm not putting a shirt on. I'm not no, putting a shirt on for this. Both of those ideas, way better than what we got. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. They walk in, the cops, and they're like, wow, there's a bunch of fucking ash human beings here. And you make sure you say to yourself, well, do they now recognize that, like, vampires are real? Every time somebody comes and is like, vampires, they're like, this guy's nuts. There's nobody really fighting against it. If I was a cop and a guy was like, listen, here's a hundred bucks. Vampires are, wink, wink, not real, not real. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> and would I just take it? Or would I be like, vampires? Yeah, now, now I think vampires might yeah, be it's real. It's a fucking monster. <laughs> I'm staying away from the guy because he's clearly fucking crazy no matter what. If they're real, if they're fake, I'll take that money and I'll look anywhere else. Be like, okay, thank you, sir. Bye-bye. <laughs> look, guys, at the end of the day, this movie was a, just a smoldering pile of shit. It was I, a I Funko can't, it was of a movie. Garbage. It artless, it was garbage. nightmare. But it started at the beginning. I mean, it was poorly paced and poorly plotted. But I think the beginning of it, it was terribly cast. Yeah. These young stars don't have the weight to carry this movie. Yeah. And we don't like them. So when Parker Posey is your main antagonist, there's a problem here. This movie had a fucking villain problem. Yes. There was no bite. To none of them. I, I mean, know. Like, Dracula shows up and you just treat him as like an extra lodger in your apartment. Right. So, oh, he's, he keeps fucking all these broads yeah. in the other room. Do you want to go in and talk to him? <laughs> yeah. All right. It didn't, see, it didn't seem like they really thought through raising Dracula. It was shit. And they're like, no, all right, yeah, he's here. What's even bigger than the blood god? The fictional character of Dracula? Well, fuck it, eh? There were many. Naturally, he lives in Syria. Pull he's the that, first vampire. Yeah, pull him out of the ground. All right. Come on. So that was Blade, gentlemen. The plots of Blade. Blade. Yeah. Southwest Assyria, born and raised. All right. Good plots, my friend. As always. Good plots to you as well. Appreciate it. Well, don't tell me it was good plots. You did the plots. Good plots to you, my friend. All right. I just. (laughs) Good plots to you, Phil. I just weighed in. And good plots to you. (laughs) Don't congratulate Phil. So it's time for our favorite pop star to uh, lead us into the next section of our podcast. William? Information. 
Blade came on the heels of the 90s vampire craze. There were a ton of movies in the 90s that were based upon vampires. And Blade was kind of the tail end of that. So you had your uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, the Coppola did, and yes. you had Interview with the Vampire. You even had Carpenter's Vampires. So this was a, a combination of those films, and it figures also into the uh, the world of superhero movies and the Marvel films. The year before, Batman and Robin had bombed. And so this yeah. movie brought it back from the day. It did, Phil. It, <laughs> very good, Phil. It did. It was Marvel's first successful film. Do you know what the film they produced before this was? The last film they produced before this? Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck. Oh, yeah. damn dog. Then and, uh, George Lucas right? yeah. was involved with that. Indeed, yeah. indeed. That's it. No more Mr. Ah. Nice Duck. This movie was directed by a dude named Stephen Norrington, who was a, an FX guy. All right. Not really a director. And the only other thing he actually directed down the road was League of uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. He had such a hard time directing Sean Connery that he vowed never to direct a film again. And he didn't. Yeah. Connery ruined him on directing films. Yeah. Just That's like what? I ruined your <laughs> mother. <laughs> your mother's a whore. Your mother's a whore, Norrington. You think um, he leaned into it at, at that age? Well, you hear stories even earlier where, like, Connery would come to the set, like, dressed in his golf shit, and he's like, I've got one close-up, and then I'm going to play 18 holes. Uh, him and Wesley Snipes worked together on that um, Rising Sun? Yes. Yeah, good movie, actually. Wesley Snipes did an interview and said that uh, Sean Connery taught him to do uh, car scenes. Without pants. And Is he just the laziest actor that's ever existed? <laughs> He's like, did you know they can't see your legs? They did it in Last Crusade too. Yeah. On the on the Zeppelin. <laughs> no pants. They're not wearing no pants. pants. Yeah. I heard that too. I heard that too. The stiffy under the table. <laughs> the camera can't see. It's not an X-ray camera as I once <laughs> maybe thought. <laughs> Blade was created in 1973 as a supporting character in the Marvel world um, in a comic called Tomb of Dracula. And Ooh. at the time, he was more of sort of an everyman type. Um, he wasn't really a daywalker. He was just this dude that couldn't be turned if he was bitten by a, a vampire. And only later did they make him uh, like a superhero after he was bitten by uh, Morbius in a Spider-Man comic. Ah. Yep. And, uh, he's also much older. He was born in a brothel in England in 1929. Okay. His I mother thought, I, thought I heard a hint of a British accent on Wilson Snipes there. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfuckers always trying to scare your poo, isn't it? <laughs> Hang on, is your name Wesley Snipes? That is insane. It's insane that the actor Wesley Snipes has that name. If you saw a picture of him and a picture of me and you were asked, who should be named Wesley Snipes? You'd pick the pale Englishman every time, every time, Liz. This movie bounced around development for many years, as so many of these Marvel films did. Sure. Early on, they were talking about Richard Roundtree, who just passed away. Rest in peace. Shaft. Trilogy yeah. superstar. Well, no, he was just in Shaft, so he's not a trilogy superstar. He's well, a trilogy he was, he actor. Had a, he had a trilogy of Shafts. That's not it. Phil, it's not a superstar. Superstar is more than one trilogy. He was just in Shaft. Trilogy star. He's trilogy, trilogy star. star. Way to know our terminology. <laughs> Fucking seven years into this exercise. I mean, yeah, it's we been sent a, you the handbook. It's been yes. a minute Idiot. since I've been here. And, um, I, they also messed around with the idea of LL Cool J playing Blade, which might have been, been interesting. interesting. I'm the pinnacle. That means I reign supreme. And I'm notorious. I'll crush you like a jelly bean. I'm bad. It went through a ton of development. And then when the screenwriter, David Goyer, who we've talked about already, came aboard, yeah. he wanted to do it in a more serious tone because it was kind of being treated as a spoof up until that point. Yeah. And now Goyer has 
written many films. Right? He's a big time screenwriter in Hollywood. He did the screenplay for the first uh, of the Dark Knight films and then did the story for the other two. He did a couple Supermans, did Ghost Rider, the Terminator Dark Fate movie as well. So he's Ugh. a big time. Gross. Yeah. I mean, look, they're not. Woof. Every movie he makes has an object in the middle of it. Every fucking movie he makes. The first Blade, we've got a blood god. Second one, we got all the embryos. The Dark Knight Rises, same thing. We got a bomb. Man of Steel, the world engine. Batman Begins, the fucking train with the bomb on it. The hydrogen hydrogen dies in there. The old uh, MacGuffin. I don't fully dislike Goyer. I'm just hard on him because I feel like he tells the same story with different jackets on. Yeah, no, I hear that. Um, He wanted vampires to be played as serious villains, not like these romantic, gothic interview with the vampire tortured souls, which we had seen for so many years up until this point. Most of all, I longed for death. I invited it. A release from the pain of living. Oh, Louis, Louis. Still whining, Louis. Snipes came on after trying to do Black Panther, which he couldn't get off the ground. That's a fucking shame. Signed on as an executive producer and like really added his own weight to the movie. And it was a big part of creating the character and the film for the first two films. All right. Snipes has some pretty good theories. He's talking about how when it comes to action films, American action films are all about spectacle, whereas in the Japanese action films, the violence is an extension of the character itself and his right. feelings and how he, he treats things. And there's a physical drama going on there. You don't have to hit a guy. and we're not, we're not beating a guy up with 200 punches, you know, take him out. No, very applicable things. You know, very dynamic and filled with a lot of emotional content. They considered a couple different people for Whistler, one of which would be John Voight, which probably would have been pretty good, hey, actually. Bang. In 96, he did Heat, and he was playing a very similar character. Yeah. He's got to bring that same big mustache. Yeah. And, you're good. <laughs> and a ponytail, yeah. But the actual, the Whistler character wasn't organic to the Blade story. Whistler is actually his character from um, the Spider-Man animated series that happened in 94. It worked so well, they brought him into the Blade story. Huh. Yeah. The movie was made for $45 million. It wound up doing $131 million. Uh, about 70 domestically. So it was a big hit. Yeah. All right. And it brought Marvel back into the world. You know what Marvel got out of this movie? $25,000. What? Nice. Yeah. Because at the time, New World Entertainment owned Marvel. The common thought through all the reviewers and from the people was that the movie wears out its welcome, which I think is a yep. great analysis of what the movie is. <laughs> yeah. You know? Hey, look! Silence! I can't take this shit no more. Blade 2 was directed by Guillermo del Toro. My man. All right. Who went on to be famous, of course, for the Hellboy movies. And winning an Oscar. Yeah, yeah. Shape of Water. Mimic, Pan's Labyrinth, Pacific Rim. But, you know, I like him because in reading about how this movie was made, he gives a lot of credit to his predecessor. You know what I mean? This fucking guy, Norrington, he was like, Norrington created a, um, a style that I just embellished upon. And, and he also let Snipes pretty much do what he wanted. And he's like, what well, Snipes knows the character better than any of us. So when he brought ideas to the table and we did them, they inevitably made it better. Before he came on, Morbius was going to play a major part as the villain. And then Marvel was like, you know what? I think we're going to keep this character for ourselves. <laughs> and so they did. And guys, you can tell me what happened to the Morbius character. Um, he, it bombed and then they thought it was funny. So they brought it back and then it bombed again and then it made less money. <laughs> yeah. And Sony should just go back to the, making technology. The internet essentially tricked them into re-releasing it a second time. What did you do to yourself, doctor? I wish I knew. 
This movie was uh, another financial success, made for 54, did 155, $80 million domestically. But again, it got mixed reviews. The plot and character development was criticized. From the beginning to the end, it's the same Blade. There's no change. Yeah. It's it's a little bit like the Man with No Name trilogy, right? Yeah. The, the kind of thing like he's part of the story, but he's sort of the hired gun and he's also the pawn at the same time. You kind of get that angle, which is no, interesting. But at the end of the day, when the story ends, it wasn't his story. Here's a little piece of trivia. Michael Jackson was originally going to do a cameo no. in the second Blade movie no. as a vampire pimp in the House of Pain. No. I swear to God. No. Yes. Whose idea was How this, much? Goyer? Like, there's five or six movies where Michael's just like, it'd be great if I was in that. And the directors are like, all right, I'll have Michael Jackson in the movie. Okay. It didn't happen, though. Schindler's List featuring. <laughs> I want to be the kid in the red shirt. <laughs> what if she comes out in the red coat and then I come out full color and I moonwalk right through the moonwalk. middle of the scene? You know, I was, I was wondering if she could keep on because the force has got a lot of power in it. Trinity. It was directed by Goyer. Originally, it was going to be directed no. by a uh, like a German director that you've never heard of. And he try dropped, me. I, 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 I did. <laughs> Scott, I didn't even write it down. Goyer stepped in, and actually, he got a lot of help from Del Toro. The big famous thing about this movie is the whole drama with Wesley Snipes. Okay, Snipes didn't like the German director. Didn't like the Goyer took over, which is odd since he had dealt with Goyer for the first two films. It's not like he was a stranger. And he didn't deal with him directly. Surely he dealt with him enough, though. It feels like Goyer was hands-on with respect to a lot of parts of the first and second film. Yeah. yeah. Snipes wouldn't do uh, any reshoots. They were forced to use stand-ins and CGI when he yeah. refused to go to the set. Patton Oswalt, who was in the film, uh, wrote that all he did was spend time in his trailer getting high. <laughs> <laughs> he became violent with Goyer and would only correspond with him by using post-it notes that were signed Blade. And and the day after he got into a fight, Goyer went to a bar and paid a bunch of bikers to pretend to be his bodyguard. Is that right? Yeah. Um, Natasha Leone, because she was blind in the movie, there's she had a scene with Blade where the first thing she does when they say action is reach out and put her entire hand on his face. Which freaked him out, and he, like, ran away. <laughs> Goyer was accused of being a racist in the film. Snipes apparently also called uh, Ryan Reynolds a cracker. And he really used this angle where he was the executive producer, so he should have more say in the film. That title doesn't necessarily mean a lot from a creative perspective, but I get a sense that, again, he was spoiled by uh, Del Toro and the original director and allowed yeah. to kind of, like, do a lot of things on his own. So when Goyer was sort of like, wait a second, it pissed him off. Yeah. So I can see it both from his perspective, frankly, and from the director's perspective. Yeah. I mean, I mean Goyer wrote all the movies, so I can certainly see the of two course. of them butting heads. Of being course. Like, he's like, hey, I'm Blade. And he's like, I fucking wrote all I'm, the scripts, I wrote, though. Bl I made yeah. you Blade. Right. So what are you talking about? But at the same time, he's the vehicle for the movie. And I think at the end of the day, the studios would be like, we can lose Goyer. We're yeah, not going to lose. Could, not going to lose. Right. Wesley right. Snipes. Right. He also, he is a new filmmaker. He's written scripts. This is one of right. his first movies. Right. Why 
isn't he trusting the engine of the fucking movie with ideas? Right. Yeah. Either way, Snipes denied a lot of these stories, and he wound up suing the studio over salary, over uh, screen time, casting decisions he didn't get a chance to make because he was the producer. And then he was in turn sued by his agent because he didn't pay them their commission. And and I think that Goyer just wasn't there yeah. for him. If you just sit and watch Blade <laughs> Trinity... It's a D minus. It just doesn't work. <laughs> but if you know what they went through to get that movie made, yeah. it is an A plus. The fact that that movie exists <laughs> puts it above Citizen Kane. This movie was made for 65, did 132 million, about Ow. 52 in the United States. Still a success. Got very poor fucking reviews. Everyone just kind of called it a rehash. From the director on down to the lowliest crew member, just a bad experience for everyone. This trilogy-inspired Blade, the series, which was a 2006 series that lasted for one season. Uh, Marvel... Don't even remember it. Yeah, I, 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 I don't either. I, can't even I don't either. You. There was going to be a 2008 prequel crossover starring Dorf with um, the girl from Underworld, Kate Beckinsale. Yes. And that didn't happen because Marvel regained the rights in 2012. By 2015, they were in talks with Snipes to come back. That kind of fell apart. And by 2019, they had announced... A reboot starring Mahershala. Mahershala Ali, and it was going to be part of the Phase 5, the Marvel Phase 5. Yet to begin filming. He did a voice uh, in the, uh, the the Eternals movie. You don't see Blade. It's in the post-credit. Uh, it's a kind of a quick, weird setup for Jon Snow. What's his face? Oh, Kit Harrington. Uh, they kind of throw him in that movie. He's supposed to be the Black Knight. And as he's like about to like touch the blade that'll make him the Black Knight, you just hear off screen. Sure you're ready for that, Mr. Whitman? Gentlemen, there are only two characters that are in all three of these movies. Obviously, the first one is Wesley Snipes. He is a trilogy superstar. We have done the other trilogy that he was in, and that is Major League, Willie Mays Hayes. You're talking about New Jack City, which is a great movie where he played Nino. Jungle Fever, White Men Can't Jump with Woody Harrelson. Great movie. Passenger 57. Passenger 57, Always Bet on Black. That's right. Was the, was the catchphrase for that movie. Um, Demolition Man. Oh, amazing. I love Demolition Man. That's probably one of my favorite Wesley yeah. Snipes roles. Money Train. The Fan um, the with De Niro. A piece of shit. Fun. No, it's not. It's garbage. Murder at 1600. U.S. Marshals, the sequel to Fugitive. I liked U.S. Marshals. And then the Blade films happened. Okay, and this is where you kind of see him start to lose his mind. He's not paying taxes anymore. All right, he didn't pay taxes on any of the Blade films, none of them. The IRS finds him uh, guilty of fraud. He c considers himself to be like a sovereign citizen, so he doesn't have to pay taxes. He, he calls himself a non-resident alien of the United States, despite the fact that he was born in the United States. Right. Like he's one of these nutcases that really just feels like that he has um, some knowledge of the Constitution that, that the rest of us haven't picked up on. Yeah. Because other people have had this idea that they say, oh, well, the Constitution says that we don't have to pay income taxes. And they take it to court. And court's like, you don't understand the Constitution. Give us your money. Yeah, exactly. He went to jail from December 2010 to April 2013 and winds up owing something like $23 million. And you can see his mind start to kind of go at that point. You know, it's it's reflected in the way he behaved in the third movie, to some small degree at least. He does five direct-to-video movies that you've never heard of before. Again, this is right around the time he's about to go to jail. Then he does The Expendables 3, and then he disappears. Like I said, he goes to jail. Underneath all this, there's a strange sort of racial element when it it comes to him like he's got an affiliation with a group called the the new Wabian nation of moors which is a racist cult group that 
intermix a certain degree of anti-Semitism with a belief in like fucking UFOs and shit. Like he's got a connection to those guys. Like, again, he's kind of losing his mind a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like all these things are sort of connected that the, the fall of his career comes with this cult and this refusal to pay taxes. Only in the last couple of years has he come back with a few movies you would have heard of, and they're actually pretty good. Yeah, Dolomite is my name. Fucking great movie. Incredible. He's great so movie, funny. and he's very good in it. And let me tell you, he's in Coming to America, the second Coming to America movie. And I told you this, Scott. Yeah. He's like the best thing in the movie. Yeah. He's the only one in the movie that like matches the true tone of like the first movie. He's appropriately light with it. Like he's really strong in it. So thank you, Eddie Murphy, for kind of bringing him back into the world of relevance. Yeah. You know what I mean? I have come to give you congratulations for locating one of your lost spurs. So yeah, that's Snipes. All right. Think what you will of him. To me, I see a guy that's- And I will. Go ahead. I, I'm doing it now. <laughs> I think of a guy that's immensely talented and then really was a big part of a lot of movies that I've enjoyed and are important to me through the years yeah. that just kind of slowly but surely, for whatever reason, fell off. His 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 ability has never waned. It's his willingness to to want to play. To exert himself. Yeah. The other guy that's been in all these movies is good old Chris Christopherson. Like, no person on earth has had a more interesting life than Chris Christopherson. Like, I wish I was Chris fucking Christopherson. Me too. Just for like a... a, a at least a, a week. Yeah. Except for that damn life. You know, he sounds like, you know, I'm a country guy talking like this. Motherfucker was an Oxford Rhodes scholar. Yep. Then wow. he went into the military and learned how to fly helicopters. He's flying helicopters around, and on the weekends, he's writing songs for people. And he's trying to break into uh, Nashville country songs. It's not really working for him. So one day he's like, fuck it. Lands a helicopter on Johnny Cash's fucking front lawn. Yeah. One hand he's got a beer. The other hand he's got his fucking tapes. He's like, listen to my shit. And that's how he fucking broke in. Yeah. That is badass. And he's had a lot of big hits in the country music world. Probably the most famous one is me and Bobby McGee. Everyone knows Janis Joplin, but sure. many people covered it and got hits out of it. Yeah. There's another song he wrote called Help Me Make It Through the Night, which was oh, another- I love Help Me Make It Through the another Night. Another big song that he actually wrote. And then through the course of the 70s, transitioned more from being a country singer into an actor. And he's done a lot of pretty big movies. Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid, which is a, a, a Peckinpah, Peckinpah yeah. movie. Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. Gorsese. Yep, and Alice, the sitcom, was based on it. A Star is Born, of course, with Streisand. Do you know who was supposed to have that part? Elvis Presley. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And the colonel wouldn't let him take second billing to Barbara Streisand. Yep, what a saved that's his why. life. Did you remember that Chris Christopherson was also in Big Top Pee Wee? That's right. As yeah. the guy that owned the circus. And he also and he's fucks the little lady. He fucks a yeah. tiny pixie, a, a three-inch tall woman. Pee Wee, this is my wife, Midge. Midge, this is Pee Wee Herman. I used to know someone named Midge when I was little. <laughs> Small world. There you go, baby. Uh, he was in Burton's Planet of the Apes. Payback, which, Scott, you and I have yeah. talked about many times. Oh. He was in that movie, The Dolphin Tail, where the fucking dolphin lost its fucking tail and they had to put a <laughs> robot tail on it. That would literally be the Scott's Watson <laughs> if, if there was a truth. Yeah, they put a fucking dolphin tail. That's what on. happened. That's the one where the tail fell off and they put when a tail When a guy on. cut the dolphin's <laughs> tail off, they put a fucking RoboCop tail on what it. What fucking snuff <laughs> film are you talking about? I also wrote down Joyful Noise, that movie with... Uh, um, Dolly Parton and Queen Latifah, where they're singers and they're making joyful noises. They're joyful. They're yeah. joyful. That's Chris Christopherson. He comforted Sinead O'Connor on stage one time when she got was getting pelted with shit. Everyone was booing her because she uh, didn't want to do the national anthem or something. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And he put his arm around her and said, Don't let the bastard get to yeah. you. I'm singing this song for my sister Sinead. 
Concerning the god-awful mess that she made When she told him her truth just as hard as she could Her message profoundly was misunderstood guys so now we're at the point of the podcast where we do our little breakdowns of each of the films the little funny observations that we have of each of these films we're talking about blade for thousands of years they have existed among us now one will lead them to conquer mankind and one will try to stop him dead let's knock down some of the actors that are in this film real quick you got steven dorf who um i detest Okay. Yeah, he's pretty terrible. Backbeat, Cecil B. Demented, Fear.com, the World Trade Center movie. The reason I hate you do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Fear.com slash the World Trade Center. That's not the same movie. (laughs) Donnell Logue, he's pretty much famous for the uh, the Grounded for Life show on TV, right? And he was in uh, Jerry Maguire, Runaway Bride, The Zodiac, Max Payne. Yeah. He did some indie films, too, at the time. He did uh, The Tao of Steve. He had a funny cameo in What We Do in Shadows. Wait, so so Donald Logue is on the Worldwide Vampiric Council? Yeah, I kind of got jumped in after Blade came out. But you are a vampire, yes? Yes. Kind of a funny story. I was not a vampire when I filmed Blade, but it was such a fun shoot, and I sort of fell in love with the lifestyle, so I decided to jump in and go whole hog. Now, Udo Kier, he's basically made his career playing vampires. Udo Kier. All right, whether it be modern vampires, Shadow of the Vampire, Vampire 3000, Blood Rain. Dude is a vampire. Blood Blood for Dracula, the Andy Warhol movie. I think of him as the heavy and ace ventura of myself but when i see him immediately you're like well this guy's evil and congratulations on all your success you smell terrific and that's all really i got for as far as actors go except for tracy lords who's a famous underage porn star who's in the first scene of this movie i had a thought in this movie when tracy lords is dragging that guy through the uh, the meat locker on the way to the rave that'd be kind of funny if they just passed rocky <laughs> hitting some meat <laughs> Punch, punching some meat and training. Hey, oh, uh. hey, Nick, what's all the noise over there? <laughs> no. Sounds like a damn monster movie. When Blade rolls into that rave, that first action scene is breathtaking. It's the best. It, it actually it reminds me of the first Transporter. The way that, like, yeah. that yeah. first scene yes. is like the first 20 minutes are awesome of and that movie. Like, and I feel like shit. the rest of the movie is just sort of running out of steam. Yeah, you have good point. Ends, good you know? point. Donnell Logue is in this rave and you're kind of seeing him from across the room and you're saying to yourself, should I be scared of this guy? Yeah. He looks like my high school social studies teacher. <laughs> right. I, like, I'm not scared of this guy. Yeah. Yeah. He moonlights <laughs> at Spencer Gifts. <laughs> I love when the, the, the police shoot Blade and he's like, motherfucker, are you for real? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Best line. Especially because, like, he's so reserved most of the rest of the movies. And then suddenly he just, like, will throw out a Wesley Snipe. Like, right. Are you out of your mind? Like, get out of here. The, like, the less he right. says, the better it is. Because when he does say something, it's got that weight to yeah. it. Can't tell you. The, the kill me. Kill you, motherfucker. I'll kill you. I have some comments about when he saves the hematologist. Right. Yes. And he grabs mm. her. And in getting away from the vampire, she throws her out the window across to the roof of the other building. Yeah, yeah. Like, he throws her onto what looks like a tarp on the other side of the building. How do you know what's under it? Yeah, how do you know what's under it? Thank yeah. you, Phil. Yes, could I, be, I, could, wrote, I wrote this same exact thing. fucking thing? Could be what anything. <laughs> what if it's a bunch of, like, rivets? <laughs> right! Yeah. What if it's just barrels and barrels <laughs> of metal rods? What, what if it's doing? just a bunch of vampires? Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> what? Oh, shit, 40 vampires. 
vampires under there. What oh, are you doing? <laughs> Later on, he goes to her apartment. He's just throwing vampires like through all of her bookshelves and everything and just destroying her apartment. Yeah. And she should be like, why are you just like thoughtlessly wrecking yeah. my apartment? She, I think she has the line at one point. She's like, is that necessary? Yeah. Like, you just broke my table. Yeah. Like, are you it's almost like me? Snipes is going out of his way to destroy her apartment. You can do this without wrecking everything I have here. Yeah. And then later, now she's a doctor, mind you. Yes. He goes, hematologist. Yeah, hematologist. Yes. I think Whistler says, and I'm going to inject you with some garlic. What? I'm a doctor. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Don't inject me with garlic. That's, yes. uh, what are you saying? Yes. I don't. Garlic's not meant to do that. Yeah. She's the first person that should object to be like, don't, don't do that. Yes. Yeah. No, no, it's cool. We've done it. No, inject me with garlic. I mean, this they haven't is... explained anything to her yet. Yeah. We're gonna inject you with garlic. What? <laughs> yeah. Pro vaccine, anti vaccine. <laughs> yeah. He One says, sides inject him with garlic. He's like, yeah, I'm yeah. gonna inject with garlic. It's gonna hurt a lot because you're not really supposed to do that. <laughs> yeah. That's why it's gonna. Yeah, hurt. It's garlic. You're putting. It in your face. <laughs> if this were 20 years later, she would immediately show Whistler on her phone a video of a doctor saying, You shouldn't inject garlic because it's happened. Don't before. do this. Yeah. It's garlic. <coughs> but you hate garlic, don't you? No, I like garlic. It's just a little much. I was like, We get a quick little scene where maybe four words are said. And it's this relationship he has with a pawn shop. He's like a fence also, so he can bring him dead vampires' watches and buy. <laughs> yeah. It was also quick and kind of like a, who is that guy? Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. like, They're you know, funding their whole workshop based upon him like getting a Rolexes off vampires that he's stolen. Like that's, that's what pays for the workshop. Yeah. Oh, come on. Right. Yeah. Come on. Oh, there's also one scene around that time where we watch as Whistler is filling the car with gas and I mean, one second later, using the same hand, lights his cigarette. And there's gas visibly dripping off his hand. Oh, no, yeah. he, he did that drunkenly. Like, <laughs> it's like when you're, when you're peeing after the sixth or seventh beer and you just don't care where it goes <laughs> at the dive bar. That's how he poured the gas. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Later, I forget why he's even there, but he goes into like... That club where those Asian girls are singing and all the old Asian men are smoking cigarettes yeah, and watching yeah. what's happening. And even they look like they have no fucking idea what they're watching. <laughs> like, what is this? Like, it was obviously, like, it looked like it was a strip club that they filmed right. it in or, like, set it up like that. But then made it where they were singing. The rapping. The, thing the is, rapping. I like karaoke. Like, again, it feels very, uh, like, kind of Frank Miller Robocop to me of, yes. like, this is what some criminals do because they're it's a fucking crazy yeah. world. Dorf meets Snipes in that park in like Chinatown or whatever, and he's holding that little girl mm -hmm. and he's threatening the little girl. Yes. He takes this little girl, he picks her up, and he throws her through a bus stop. Yeah. Right through the bus stop. And, and Blade does not a fucking thing. He just watches it just happen. Just watches it happen. Yep. Then she stands up in the middle of the street, and only then does Blade run over, grab her, and say, and get your ass home or whatever. <laughs> How is she still alive? He threw her through a bus stop. She doesn't have a fucking cut on her. You're almost waiting for her to like turn into another vampire who was just yeah. like, ha ha like, I, I mean, it, was it's, a, right. it was all a trick. It's preposterous. Yeah. I was kind of uh, mouth agape. What do I care? They're nothing but cattle. <laughs> They ambush the place while he's conveniently not there. Of course. Uh, Blade comes back, and he's talking to Whistler while he's dying, and he takes a piece of gauze, and he's just kind of gently <laughs> mopping yeah. up blood on his collarbone. He is covered. 
covered in blood. Like he, uh, like it's it's so much blood. What could you possibly be treating? Reminded me. He's like, me. don't worry, dab dab. Dab dab, <laughs> like you know, it's like when you're at dinner and to be polite, you sort of move the fork around a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you you kind of put the you know slide all the food over to one side. So like, Look, yeah. I ate half of it. Don't wipe yourself off. You're bleeding. Wipe yourself off, man. You dead. The movie gets weird for me here because I feel like everyone's kind of glossing over the fact she takes a sample of Blade's blood before they get ambushed, and then the whole idea is they're gonna take her back. So they can get Blade there to get his blood. Yeah. And I'm like, it's in the lab. It's in the fucking place you just ran right. into. He's yep. got it. Maybe they had to put him in that little that sarcophagus and have it drip out the, in, in huge you, amounts. The blade-shaped coffin. Yeah, yeah. the blade coffin. <laughs> it's a little overkill. I mean, we get to this final scene when the, the final big battle, and like there are so many stupid things going on. You got the dwarf monologue where he's just reiterating all everything we already know yeah, he's providing us yeah he's not giving us any new information he's like now i'm going to do this and then that's gonna happen it's like we just watched this for an hour and a half we know what's gonna happen yeah we don't we you know? know you're not adding anything to this you idiot i also kind of don't understand why the pure blood vampires don't buy into any of the old ancient stuff yeah. Right. Like he's this new guy going, I'm using all these ancient texts. Yeah. And good like, point. And he's like, you will never figure out how to read those ancient texts. <laughs> like it is a fantasy. It is a fairy tale. I'm like, you're vampires. Yeah. What are you fucking talking about? And then like they become skeletal winged bat creatures. Yeah. Yes. Here's where the CGI isn't quite right yet. And we talked about this when we were doing The Mummy. Like, this is a weird period where every other movie, the CGI looks kind of stupid. Yeah. So you also have this strange visual of, like, blood falling from the ceiling, and it looks like cartoon blood. It yeah. really looks odd. Big CGI fight coming up. Blade gets different sunglasses in the other movies, which is great, because those first sunglasses kind of suck. I don't yeah. think they look good on him at all. No, they really... And in fact, when Donald Logue goes, hey, I think they look better on me, I'm like, I think you might be right. Yeah, they kind of <laughs> like, do. Yeah. They, they kind of suit you better, yeah. at least, you know? I agree. Oh, my. My God, those make you look so ugly. My big question is, you know, we get this whole thing with learning the mother's a vampire and mm -hmm. then she dies. But then the big question for me is, who is his dad? That's a great question. Right? We find out who made her a vampire, but yeah. not who actually fathered who him. Who was his father, It's right? almost as if they could have potentially talked about that in any of the other two fucking in movies. In a sequel. Yeah. Brought Maybe him, the answer was in. in Russia. You know, when he's off to uh, Blade Two Mission to Moscow. Just when we thought the Cold War was over, leave it to these guys to heat it up again. So let's talk a little bit about Blade Two then, all right? Okay. Now, those he has sworn to kill need his help to fight a new breed of terror some of the actors in this one real quick you got ron perlman now ron perlman is a trilogy superstar he appears in the fantastic beasts trilogy does he? Yes, he does. Which beast is he? He's where to find them. We haven't. Oh. <laughs> we haven't done Up my. Ass. We haven't done. I hate. I don't like to reveal what trilogies we haven't haven't seen yet, but I haven't seen that. He was a Hellboy. He also made appearances in movies like the Transformers, uh, the Conan reboot, Scorpion King three, which is straight to video oh. but peripherally related to our Mummy trilogy. Yeah. And then, of course, he kind of broke big in the 80s when he was in the Beauty and the Beast television yeah. show with uh, Linda Hamilton. Yep. Do you know what yeah. I mean? He's like Tom Waits' bigger brother. Yeah. yeah right. That's a really good point. He does like Tom Waits. Tom Waits' Hulk version. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Norman Reedus, uh, we talked about him enough already, but he was uh, what made him big was the Boondock Saints. 
because it became kind right, of a, a, cult, right. a cult movie. And then, of course, Walking Dead, major now part do, of Walking Dead. Now doing Dead. his own spinoff, Walking Dead. Yeah, like the, th- like the third or fourth spinoff of The Walking Dead. Yeah, they released, didn't they just released two at a time? Yeah. I'd really like them all to just die. Just die and make it called Dead. And then when I put it on the TV, they're dead and there's no show. <laughs> and just a blank screen. And it's because it's called Dead. They're not walking. They're dead. They're just, just dead. dead. <laughs> Another couple quick ones. Um, the guy who played Eli, the evil vampire, Thomas Kretschmann. He's a trilogy superstar. He was in the Cars movie. And then um, the guy who played Snowman that was a part of the Blood Pack. He was also a trilogy superstar. He's in the Triple X trilogy and actually helped to choreograph this. He's movie. also in Rogue One. That's right. Okay. He is one with the Force. Donnie Yen. So, a uh, trilogy-related yeah. movie. Good. The Force is with me, and I am with the Force. And I fear nothing for all this, as the Force wills it. Hey, stop right there. He's blind. Is he deaf? Right at the beginning when he rescues Whistler out of that thing, like, he's clearly, he opens it up, all the stuff comes out, and he's, like, hanging on all these, like, wires. Yeah, machines. Skin tubes or whatever the fuck they are. Don't help. Don't lift him up. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Phil. He fucking cuts it and just watches that old bitch fall. Yeah. And I'm like, this is the guy that you thought was dead. Your father figure. You've been searching for through Moscow, through Prague, You everything. his leg. And you're just like, (laughs) From the rocking of the cradle to the road. Rolling of the hearse, going up was worth coming down. They reference Blade getting high. Fucking Scud offers him a joint, and Blade doesn't say no. He says later. <laughs> so they're getting high together, the two of them. And yeah. we find out Takes that all the fucking edge off. yeah, all Snipes did in the third movie was get high. So yeah, it's like a little. It's all Scud's fault, probably. Damn you, Scud. Man, I got so zooted. Smoke weed every day. It's funny, the first fight when they come in and they crash in their... The acrobats. Yeah, the acrobats come in. <laughs> There's this, <laughs> this first fight where they, they turn on the lights real bright. I think it's awesome. And then yeah. suddenly, it's like a completely CGI fight in front of the lights. I was like, you know what? That was a really good thought to try and like blur it. So yep. like you wouldn't see the CGI. I was like, but it's it's suddenly it's so fluid. It just looks like the like final Black Panther fight scene. Every time you CGI a person who is not like, you know, head to toe in a costume for me, it still looks bad. Yeah. You know, like it reminds me of like the Spider-Man trilogy when every time he was yeah. when he was jumping as Peter Parker, you're like, that is yeah. not real. I thought that fight in front of the lights was fucking great. And what I liked about it was in the context of the sword fight, there's a lot of interesting things they're doing with their footwork. Yeah. Not just swinging it above your head, clang, clang, clang. They're doing this cool footworky shit in the beginning where they're kind of going after each other's lower extremities. I don't know. It just it it worked for me. Yeah. I just liked it. Yeah. I thought that was really actually a pretty awesome bit. You're using Bonetti's defense against me, huh? I thought it fitting, considering the rocky terrain. When they're breaking in, fucking Norman Reedus looks at uh, the screen and he's like, yeah, he's like, what, are they human? Are they vampires? He's like, "Uh, well, the body temperature is like 50, so yeah, I'm going to guess that they're probably, they might be vampires. (laughs) Like, what do you mean they might be? (laughs) Their bodies are 50 degrees. They'd be dead bodies. Like, recently dead bodies. Every time he opens his mouth, you want to just drive your fist through it. You'd think... Blade would turn back, you know, Scott, every time someone is breaking in, I don't need you to announce what their body temperature is. I just need you to tell me if they're a fucking human or a vampire. Maybe Whistler had a point by being so angry at him. <laughs> right. Like, Maybe Whistler was justified. He's like, I'm back now. We can get rid of this guy. Yeah, We're I mean, all good. It I only agree. takes the audience 10 minutes later to realize he's a dick. Yeah. Whistler is just smarter than we are, frankly. Where'd you dig up this shit, Bird, anyway? 
the fuck's your problem, Poppy? My problem is I've been sucking blood clots for two years. I get out to find some jerk-off fucking with my life's work. I like when Snipes gets together with the blood pack where they're sharing each other's technology. That's a real benefit of these kinds of movies where the yes. bad and the good guys have to work together. Where he sticks the thing on the back of Perlman's head. Fucking beautiful. Yeah. Fucking I, awesome. I thought it was a little bit odd, though, this line that gets he repeats to a man, like, can you blush? And I'm like, I, I get it. It's it's a racist joke, but you would think like for a racist vampire, wouldn't it be like, can you get a tan or something? You it's know funny what you I mean? Say like, that because I believe it was um, Snipes who added that line in, so there would be some extra animosity between the two characters. So that wasn't originally written. That was like right away. You're like, okay, this guy's a racist. That was Snipes like, immediately. Yeah. Like, yeah, well, I mean, the, the whole fucking guy. movie it, it, it amounts to vampire eugenics. So yeah. of course they're all Nazi vampires. And if you were. A Nazi vampire? No way. I was out of there. There's a quick scene uh, with Scud where he's hanging out in the van. He's being attacked in the van. The Reapers are able to fucking kill vampires in one second. They can't get through the window of a van Yeah. for like 15 minutes. And I think, honestly, the reason he was attacked is he had a big old box of Krispy Kreme donuts. Hell yes. But yep. when he opened it and took a donut out, that was not a Krispy Kreme donut. No, it definitely so wasn't. So I think they were attracted and then upset yeah. that they <laughs> yeah. were like, motherfucker, you made yeah. me think you had Krispy well, Kreme donuts uh -huh. here. That's why they were all waiting outside this like is, that. Yeah. <laughs> It's like a ShopRite brand you just bought down the street and threw in a box. Like you know, They thought the light he was fiddling with was the fresh hot donuts. Yes. Like, not, not the I mean, one. if you've got a hunger like that. It's the attack of the humans this Halloween at Krispy Kreme. As good as the first expedition is in this film, the second one, Into the Sewers, is very confusing. The, the one guy decides he's going to attack Whistler for no particular reason and just kind of... Just beating up a crippled guy. Yeah, they, they, he yells out. He's like, one of our team dies, one of your team dies. Like, he's got a much smaller team than you. Yeah. It's like two guys yeah. over there. One of them, yeah. three, sorry, it's three guys. One of them works for you. Right. What are you <laughs> like, talking about? Yeah. Right. You know, like <laughs> the entire gang goes down into this, the sewers just woefully unprepared for what they're about to face with yeah. all these Reapers down there. Perlman's big betrayal of the group is that he jams the explosive bomb lever, just jams it, yeah. and then later, when Snipes gets to it, he, he can't unjam yeah. the bomb lever like it's D dumb i was confused by that it looks like perlman is struggling with right it. like he didn't even know but then it also seems like well he had to have right right and then later it's like oh he, he's the one that jammed it yeah like that's the best you could do to portray how played. You, you remove the handle yeah yeah then how you about can't any number of things <laughs> it's akin to taking chewing gum and yeah. sticking it in the gears yeah. what are you doing i bought a little maple syrup in the <laughs> The gear there. And uh, you think yeah. that Perlman's killed in that scene because he seemingly stands up and allows himself to be fucking killed by the light coming through. What's yeah, going and then on? Yeah, he's just like kind of charred on one side. Yeah. He's literally two-faced. Right, right. <laughs> right. He's, a, he's, he's Harvey Two-Faced yeah. down there. You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. I thought when Blade is like he was in the first movie, yeah. weakened because he doesn't have any blood and he falls into the blood pool. And emerges like ready to kick ass. That's yeah, pretty I love cool. That. Yeah. And then, because then he has that great m movement where he's fighting with the electricity sticks and then fights Perlman and cuts that motherfucker like right in half. Like, yeah. that's a death worthy of a main character right there. Yep. What's great about the fighting, especially in this movie, is it's not just karate. Snipes is using MMA, kung fu. He's right. flipping people over his shoulders. He uses a goddamn WWE suplex, a vertical suplex, to take out the last guy before Perlman. Yeah. So he's using all different styles of fighting, and that's what makes it 
interesting. I mean, it's like we, we talked, you know, Batman knows every single. Yes. Yeah. Good you point. You know, and he like they incorporate it into some of the fights, but For it doesn't sure. look as stylized as as this movie was yeah. like. We're going to make a big choice here to kind of differentiate, I think, from Batman, because in a lot of ways, Blade is kind of like Batman. Yeah. In a you way. know, like because the- Batman, in a lot of ways, is just fucking like Dracula and Sherlock Holmes put together. So it I really Blade is kind of the same thing. And Blade is know? like kick fucking flip a guy over his shoulder combos out of nowhere yeah. um coming out of the water and f- taking down perlman fucking great. yeah i loved th- it this movie i was very entertained and i was like yeah. oh my god romans at the end and i've stopped yeah. taking notes because yeah, i'm just enjoying yeah man that's what? i was gonna ask you guys that do all these guys fight using karate in the comic book like is it a known thing that all the people in the blade world just know karate Not really. so that's it that's something they picked up for the movie he's a little bit like Punisher for vampires. Right. You know, instead of going after like the mob, he's going after vampires. Okay. Okay. The underground syndicate. Does he have the sword at least in the comic? Yes. Oh, so he does have the sword. Okay. My last thing for this last scene, she wants to die a vampire, carries her out. Yeah. Why did she get to die all peacefully and quietly in the sun? And the guy in the first one bursts into fucking flames screaming and goo and and four different kinds of special effects happened. I think I've got the answer. We learn in the movie The Lost Boys that every vampire dies in a different way, depending upon the kind of vampire they are. Really? So I don't know if they purposely took that to this movie, but I felt like I noticed it in the well, first movie as well. Ones, right? So, you know, in fucking The Lost Boys, there's people exploding. Other people like Kiefer Sutherland just kind of slumps over and dies. Yeah. So... I don't know whether that's real vampire lore, but it's good enough for me. That movie is not this movie. <laughs> so I would like this movie to explain. <laughs> You're right. Uh, but it's all about this general vampire yeah. lore that we're supposed to kind of yeah. know. And You're supposed to just kind of suspend your disbelief because it's, it's a character that we've liked. They've made her kind of... Uh, yeah, and it's a gentle death. He's, right. he's giving her a peaceful death. Really it's a nice going. scene. It yeah. is kind of a nice like, scene. I want to see the sun. <laughs> She's just be like... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Here comes the sun... Here comes the sun, We are now on to Blade Trinity. First he faced their gods. Then he battled their demons. But all that was only the beginning. I'm going to go through the actors in this. You got Ryan Reynolds, who's a trilogy superstar. Say nothing of the fact that they're making a third Deadpool that's going to come out anytime now. But he's also, um, he was in Harold and Kumar as well, which makes him a trilogy superstar. Yes. All right. Hollywood kept pushing Ryan Reynolds at us until finally he caught on with Deadpool. The fact is he bet on himself and he won and now he makes whatever he wants. Well, the studios bet on him because he's not the one that gave him 100 opportunities in 20 fucking films. No, the Deadpool thing was self-financed. He was campaigning. He played Deadpool in uh, the Wolverine X-Men Origins movie. that's right. And they totally fucking ruined the character. He starts right at the beginning. He's like quippy, 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 and then they remove his mouth. In yep. the movie, and Good. it's like he's literally called the Merc with a mouth. Boy, he just rubs me the wrong way. Uh, granted, I've, I've always enjoyed something about him, and especially in this film too. Like his little jokes, uh, they piss me off. It's it's the thing is they get in the way. Yes, the idea is that he's breaking the tension or showing the bad guy that he's not I- intimidated. But in if any you do way it them, constantly, but... if you're doing it nonstop, even Blades like shut the fuck up. Right. It's a lot of Ryan Reynolds at it once, is. being it his is. most Ryan Reynolds. Ugh. Really, you like that, huh? <laughs> Go fuck your sister. You got Parker Posey, which someone decided to cast as the 
head of the vampires. She's most famous for the uh, Christopher Guest movies, where she's yeah. great. She's fucking great. She's used better here than she's used in Superman Returns. Callum Keith Renee, who plays Asher, the brother, trilogy mm-hmm. superstar. He was in the Fifty Shades trilogy. Huh. All right. You got John Michael Higgins, another guy that's famous for the Christopher Guest films. He's also a trilogy superstar. He's in all the Pitch Perfect movies. He is also uh, the host of a little game show called America Says. It's on the Game Show Network, and it's delightful. What is John Michael Higgins known for? Eating ice cream. Patton Oswalt <laughs> has become most famous through his observations of pop culture, both on the internet and in his stand-up, yeah. more so than for his... For his acting, but the acting roles that he chooses go to that pop culture idea. Yeah, yes. you know, it's it's interesting because he, as an actor, plays roles that he would make fun of. In exactly, a he did a great little movie called Big Fan, where he plays a sports fan who's it's like a great movie. Yeah. yeah, Big Fan is actually a very good movie. Right. I've seen yeah. it myself. Yeah. Very Club. good movie. Yeah. Um, he was a trilogy superstar, another Harold and Kumar guy, um, and he's going to be in the trilogy Killing Ghostbusters Four. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> Why the fuck is it beginning with the Ryan Reynolds voiceover? Uh, yeah, exactly. But the first sure. line in the movie goes to steroid-ridden Triple H. What is this writing? Cuneiform, you dickhead. I love how they're looking in this thing that has ancient ruins everywhere, and they're looking around uh, like, I don't know, I think this is another dead end. I'm like, are you fucking seeing the same thing I'm looking at? Yeah. It's an ancient tomb we're in right now. I don't think this is going to be a dead end. <laughs> right. And then seconds later, Dracula just appears and like, right. super shredders out of the fucking water. <laughs> exactly. Like, and it, there's no ritual. Like, you know, the first one, they had to get all the blood. They had to make sure all the blood was together and spilling and doing all this. And they had to get blade and they had. And so they could release the blood god. And the beginning of this is just, hey, is Dracula in here? Oh, shit, he is in here. You want to come with us? Yeah, OK. Even the fucking stone slabs that they moved to get to his crypt look like styrofoam. They're, they're They don't look real in any way. Like, it just feels like a shit set like it's garbage bunch of c-level actors and celebrities come in and uh wake him up by accident yeah that's it (laughs) who gives a fuck there's something beneath us you find a watch instead of body the setup makes no sense here of the the frame job that he was like "Ah, i'm not a vampire dickhead like "Ah," and takes his vampire teeth off right which immediately makes everyone wearing vampire teeth for the rest of the movie look weird and stupid exactly you just exactly. watch the guy take it off uh-huh blade would never have been tricked that way because in the first movie he she says how can you tell that the, they're vampires like by the way they smell exactly by the way they move exactly and he goes up and he was like huh why yeah. aren't you disappearing <laughs> and literally the guy goes why aren't you smarter don't be so gullible mcfly we are introduced to the character of jessica beale on the on the subway where those guys trying to cost her this is just a minor thing but why is it in every movie where someone's carrying groceries there's a big loaf of bread <laughs> yeah. unwrapped hanging out of the top of the bag right <laughs> how often does someone need to buy that yeah and you definitely get it wrapped up it's not just yeah. Just touching the bag. That kind of bread would be like pricier than like yeah. a normal you double wonder sheath bread. It. You, you know? put a bottom sheath and a top sheath. It's like a baguette or something. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you don't know anything about bread. What, what, what do you know hey, about bread? You get, what do you know about bread? About bread. <laughs> I know a lot. I love bread. I love bread. I don't deny myself bread. I have bread every day. I have bread every day. I have eaten bread every single day. The group of young vampires who are attacking her, yeah. one of them pulls down a mask to be like, pulls this like scary skeleton face mask. Is like, <laughs> and I'm like, you're a vampire. Why would you need to put a scary mask on before you're going to attack somebody? Well, I'm a vampire. Duh. 
When the, the hideout is is raided by the police, when Blade is, you know, when they the cops break into Blade's hideout, I like how Whistler is unapologetically just gunning down cops as they come in. Like the whole thing is like, oh, Blade, you can't don't kill humans, you know, you're getting sloppy, Blade. Yeah. Only kill vampires. Five minutes later, he's shotgunning cops to death. Yes, and taking out, like, these are, like, SWAT members of, yeah. like, the FBI. R- right. You know, He'll like. stop at nothing to kill himself. And he just <laughs> is plowing them down, just bang, 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 with his brown damn leg fucking yeah. running around like, how, what? <laughs> how, why does this make any sense? And then what's hilarious What's your moral me, compass? He, he crawls over to the computers. Now he's crawling yeah, to the computers yeah, yeah. to get rid of all the information, which... It's not really going to matter anyway because he's going to be caught in right. seconds. And he, so he starts the data protection routine <laughs> on the computer. I'm like, I don't, I don't think you would call it that, first of all. And this is such a sophisticated security system. He refers to his computer as Workstation One. <laughs> like, and now we're seeing We it. don't like, know what he's protecting because it never comes up again. Nope. It's completely irrelevant. Nope. We don't know why he protected it or what he needed to protect it from. And don't worry, oh, I deleted that part of the movie. Yeah, it's my porno collection. No <laughs> one should have to look at it. Get rid of all cookies on Workstation 3. <laughs> it's just pictures of pink pants. And print to co- printer 4. God damn it, this never works. Play it, get me on the internet. <laughs> Wi-Fi my ass, god damn. How's about this one? So we're in the cop station, which is just a ridiculous scene. The cops and the psychologists. They have the most accurate uh, police sketch I've ever seen in there, which is like, how did anyone see him that close? He was wearing sunglasses and his eyes are perfect. (laughs) He's on video, too. The cops and the psychologists couldn't be more reminiscent of actors playing cops and psychologists then suddenly parker posey just comes walking in just just looking and sounding ridiculous just making a fool of herself she gets involved reynolds comes in to make the save blade wakes up with a giant erection which is full front I didn't and all see of this, this. happens in the space I, I of like to rewatch uh, guys this. it happens in the space of two minutes parker posey in ronald reynolds makes a save stand up erection bedlam <laughs> bedlam is happening here <laughs> He's beating up cops. <laughs> Erection, absolute bedlam yeah, follows. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Magic arrows are going through walls, going around corners. What is this? <laughs> what am I looking at here? An erection. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, cops have them cornered outside, and they're like, oh, wait a second. A car's here. Yeah. So they're like, no we're cornered. Problem. Oh, I guess this isn't this isn't a corner after yeah. all. <laughs> uh, just Everybody just get in. You're making me sit in the middle? I'm Blade. Yeah, <laughs> you are. You have a massive erection. Really? After we meet the Night Stalkers and we feel uncomfortable and awkward by the entire thing. They cut back to Parker Posey in a boardroom sitting on like the table and she's like whining. She's like, we almost had him. You have Dracula. Yes. Uh, Because one second later, (laughs) Dracula just walks out and he's like, I guess you'll need me to help out or what, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Oh, oh, yeah, I forgot we released Thanks, Dracula. thanks, Siri and Dracula. <laughs> like I'm glad fucking... you're here. And I mean, in the last scene with him, he's like, I'm not going to help you. In this one, he's like, I'm here to help you. <laughs> <laughs> You've got Dracula walking down the street. He's out now, and he comes across a vampire shop, and it seems that he's not too happy with the commercialization 
of yeah. himself. Yeah. The scene couldn't be more bizarre. I thought that vampire dildo was pretty pretty cool looking. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it was a dick on one side and the back had like Dracula <laughs> on the other. And I was like, it, make, it looks good. Whoever made that, good job. And we quickly come to the conclusion that vampires take themselves pretty seriously. Unless... It's time to go to the rave. Then blood's falling from the ceiling. Yeah, party time. Yeah. Time to dance. Yes. No rave in this movie. No. Other than that, they're very serious. Then they become complete stereotypes <laughs> immediately. <laughs> like that godly gets me every time. You know, Blade saves the kid and has that delightful moment with the baby. Could you cool? Could you cool? Motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. The guy that refuses to do anything that anyone wants him to do in this film decides what he is going to do <laughs> is look down at this baby yeah. and go, Kuchiko. <laughs> Phil, you were saying before, we get to this warehouse scene with Beale, and we see this whole shit with the uh the blood men. Yeah, yeah, they're all in this coma while they feed. It's a blood farm. They were like, you know, oh, how did you get all these people? It's like, you know, Muslim are homeless. You know, yeah. you just sweep them off the streets. And they pan past them. I'm like, none of those people look homeless. No, yeah, none of them all do. of no. those clothes just look the- like fresh. <laughs> like they just bought them. Like, That's exactly at, right. At Kohl's. New at six tonight, a bizarre crime wave is hitting coal stores in Metro Atlanta. I also like that Triple H is obviously sensitive about his dick size because Ryan Reynolds <laughs> makes a comment about it. And he's like, when did you ever see my dick? <laughs> Funny. Not only was it like he immediately thought he had seen his dick based on that, like not getting that it's a joke. Yeah. But like also like, no, you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah. Who go the tri- fuck did you see my go dick? Go Triple H. Go in a like, big he, movie. He's having fun. Yeah. yeah. It's cool that Triple H power slams yeah. him. Um, but I said to myself, I'm watching this fight. I'm like, I don't want to live in a world where Ryan Reynolds beats Triple H in a fight. <laughs> Pretty much fucking ass raped us. Oh, you've loved it. Um, okay, so we're to the end here. We got a uh, Dracula's death. I think it's hilarious that she they play up this fucking bow and arrow and the arrows and all this shit so much. She fires the thing. He catches it and misses. And it's it, but it also just seems like Wesley Slaves like uh uh-uh, uh I'm killing Dracula. Yeah, I have to be yeah. the one. Dracula's accent disappears at this point too, and he's just a dude. With the weapon, they they removed his accent at the molecular level. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's what exactly. Happened. He's just now he's just a guy at the gym. <laughs> he's just a guy at your local gym. Like, oh hey, what's up, man? Yeah. When they mention the bioweapon earlier though, they they say like, yeah, and it'll it'll, you know, kill every vampire, even that guy, but it might kill Blade too. Just tell Blade to go outside during this part. Right. <laughs> yeah, like Blade, take it outside and we shoot him with the arrow now. Or put a timer on it. Yeah. Uh, you know, any like, number uh, of things. Yeah. Blade was still out there somewhere, doing what he did best. He was a weapon. His life was a war. And everybody knows the war never ends. All right, so that's fucking Blade, bitches. Yep. Oh, all right. Yeah, I is. think that we all are kind of on the same page with respect to uh, how we feel about this trilogy, but let's take it one at a time. Phil, break it down for me. 213, not a successful trilogy. They had great ideas, great execution of some things, and then mostly piss poor execution. This is a star vehicle. You should have leaned more on Wesley Snipes for ah. the third entry. The second one was okay. So first one, great for the first 40 minutes, but I think that... Three kills it for you? Three kind of just... Three is a Funko Pop of a fucking movie. There's nothing going on in there. Okay. It's just a piece of entertainment. Okay. Scott? I honestly don't think there would have been more than one movie if it wasn't Wesley Snipes, it wasn't a unique superhero, Yep. and wasn't right when it was released. 
Okay. Because this is at a time, like we said, like, you know, the Matrix is about to come out. This sort of Hong Kong style is bleeding into American film now. Yeah. And I think, you know, for the first movie, the only reason the first movie is even successful a bit is really Wesley Snipes and that sort of direction. Sure. The rest of the movie is it's kind of a fucking mess, really, yeah. that first movie. But enjoyable enough. The second one, you know, Guillermo del Toro, we talked about really, I think he did something good with it. I, I, I thought it was an interesting, much more interesting plot uh, than the first one, which just seemed like yeah. all the uh, solo superhero movie tropes all kind of thrown in at once. Right. And three, honestly, like as, as bad and like popcorny and junky as the fucking movie is uh, for, you know, the multitude of reasons that we discussed. Right. I laughed. I, I enjoyed it. I like like I said, I walked away when I first watched these movies. Like I remember being like, oh, I didn't think any of them were particularly great, but I didn't dislike any of them. You know, like I would probably if Blade Trinity popped up on TV, yeah, maybe I'd leave it on. You okay. know what I mean? Okay. But I think ultimately, yeah, I think I'm gonna go two one three. So All right, it's a two one three. I'm gonna go two one three and say I'm gonna say it's unsuccessful. I guess. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And I'm going to keep it exactly the same. I'm also going 213 Unsuccessful. To me, too, is a great movie. There were some plotting issues that uh, were a little unclear, but I yeah, enjoy sure. it from beginning to end. Yeah. One, just like Phil said, was great for the first 30 or 40 minutes, and then it just, the plot drives it downhill. And three was a pile of shit. And to yeah. me, it was poor, um, paced, directed, cast, um, and just none of it really worked. So, yeah. Yeah. We talked about all the shit. Let's go to uh, two, one, three, unsuccessful. I think we're all in agreement here. Okay, an unholy yeah. trinity oh. or trilogy. Oh. Guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Trilogy Podcast. As always, I am Vin. But I'm Scott. I'm Phil, and I'm not feeling so raven now. Phil, what are you talking about? It's time for us all to head out to the rave. You convinced Wait, me. You, he's you guys so told me raven. Not to go? Nah, but you know, your charm and charisma during this recording has made me feel yeah. like I need to go now. I don't think it's a good idea. P pick up all the popcorn you have around the chair that you've been sitting at. Put your shoes back on your striped socks, and let's go to the fucking rave. All right, all right. Right, fine. Brave. Guys, we are active on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and um, YouTube. We've got content all over the place, guys. Check us out and please leave us a review if you can so we can bring to you every trilogy ever fucking made. So we can be the strongest version of vampires that we can be. I mean, podcast hosts, vampires. I don't know what that is. Phil, clear the popcorn off your beard, you monster. I have a lot of popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one kind of.